So how do you achieve financial freedom, gain wealth, and live life on your terms? That is the question, and here's the answer. I'm A.J. Osborne. Welcome to Cash Flow to Freedom. Welcome, everybody, to Cash Flow to Freedom. Um, you know, we've got a great podcast today, but I wanted to do a couple housekeeping items. As you guys know, uh, both of our podcasts have been exploding and we did our giveaway um, that was to 200,000 downloads. We've already surpassed that. So that is over. Thank you, everyone who's been participating in that. Um, if you guys want to know, uh, we do a lot of these giveaways. I'm doing a lot of different information. I mean, that's all coming from my Instagram social. So you can go find that on AJ Osborne um, and check it out. Also, you can go to the site Cashflow to Freedom where we're uploading a lot of other stuff as well. So storageincome.com for two of those podcasts. But with that, we're not going to waste any more time. Today is on a particular subject that I'm so interested in because I've been in this world. So I'm excited to be bring Brandon on and he's going to talk to us about wholesaling. And with that, how's it going, man? I'm well, how are you? Doing really good. Thanks for coming on. For sure. Excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. Now, before we get into talking about, you know, real estate and everything, give everybody a little bit about your background. You know, where'd you come from? How'd you get into this crazy game of real estate? Uh, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm raised here in Stone Mountain, Georgia, right outside of Atlanta. And, um, you know, I started actually my college years here, but transferred up to Purdue University um, where I graduated. And um, got right into the corporate world. First job out of college with was uh, with the H.J. Hines company. I was going to be in a leadership rotational program, three different jobs, three different years, three different states. Um, and then they moved me out to Illinois, Iowa, and they got acquired. Uh, and so that completely derailed that program. I found a local job, Kraft Oscar Mayer. Uh, worked there for a little bit, and they got acquired by the same company. Now they're the Kraft Heinz company. Uh, and I had an opportunity to come back to uh, Atlanta to work with uh, Talenti, uh, which, you know, three for three, they got acquired as well by Unilever. <laughs> and I was fired, uh, which, you know, that, that literally happened two weeks after I had gotten married um, on October 10th, 2015, two weeks later, I'm fired, got a young son, uh, and didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, but I called a buddy that I met in Pittsburgh with my Heinz years and said, Hey man, you always used to talk about real estate, how this was your thing. Like, what is it all about? And he said, man, I've moved to Atlanta. I'm actually uh, in your city. Uh, and I'm working with this mentor program. Uh, this guy says bam all the time and super excited and infectious. <laughs> that guy ended up being Tom Kroll uh, with Wholesaling Inc. And so uh, I started hanging out with him, driving for dollars, listening to the mentor program in January 2016. And, you know, that set everything up for me to just jump into real estate. Um, I had been uh, applying for jobs, but I was so bought in. Um, and, and always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I even did an entrepreneurship certificate program, 15 credits at Purdue. Uh, and so this was my big break. So that year, 2016, that opened the door for real estate for me, specifically wholesaling. Uh, and I haven't looked back since. 
Now, wholesaling, explain to me, I think, why you picked that way. Okay, so, you know, you're trying to take control over your life here. Obviously, you know, three for three, all that, you're now married. And there's a lot of different areas in real estate you can go to. What drew you towards the wholesaling part? Yeah, look, it was the only option that I had at the time, uh, somewhat. But, you know, it's... Um, marketed or, or or said to be the way that you can get into real estate with little to no money down, right? Yeah, uh, and that's what I had—little to no money. Um, and so it just worked out. Um, you know, single family is is I think uh, an entry point into real estate uh, on the whole, and then wholesaling um, as being kind of the art of finding off-market properties at a discount. Yes. Um, it just made so much sense to me. Um, and, I, and I took it and ran with it. Uh, that first year, I did six figures uh, because I had a strong mentor that led me down that path. And so, you know, it made sense. I did my first deal, got my first contract. I started in January, got my first contract in February. Um, by March 6th, 2016, I had done my first deal for 15K. So yeah, that was the path I was going to go yeah. down. It was pretty quick results. You know, I think this is one of the things that I love about wholesaling. First of all, for any real estate investor, you need inventory, right? You need deal flow and you also need capital. And I think this is what I love about wholesaling is first of all, it creates pipelines and it teaches you the skills to go out there and find and get those deals which is so critical, right? If you control the deal, you control everything. And there's all these options are open up to you. But particularly people starting out, this is a way to generate revenue and generate a lot of it that can be allocated then into other deals or real estate assets, right? Like I got started in sales, which is similar to wholesaling, right? I'm out trying to get the sale. I'm out hunting for the deal, right? Because I need that deal to generate that money. And what it teaches you too, is it teaches you to uh, eat what you kill, as we call Mm -hmm. it in the sales industry, right? Like you get paid by the work that you do. And I love that part of the business because that gives you control, right? Over the future. And you know, you want to make more money. You can go get more deals. And not only does it give you control over kind of your future and what you're doing, but you're learning all of these skills in real estate. You're, I mean, when you're looking at deals, right? You got to underwrite that deal. So you got to know if it's a good deal or not. You got to be able to close that owner. And how hard was it for you to gain these skill sets um, when wholesaling? Like, was that something that you were totally at ease with when you started, or was that pretty uncomfortable starting out? Yeah, no. Um, it it was pretty instant um, that I had su- some success, um, and I think that that. Uh, lends itself to the amount of traveling I did, the amount of people that I met. I worked with, you know, uh, folks in Germany with Heinz, um, you know, going to school in the Midwest, um, you know, understanding the ag industry and, you know, good friends that, you know, came from farming backgrounds, uh, working in the plants in Pittsburgh and then Illinois, Iowa border in the Quad Cities. Um, and then, but being from the South, um, just it opened me up to, you know, understanding, you know, different people, being able to communicate with different people. And, um, you know, early on in, you know, my first deals, um, you know, this is a people business. And so it's, you know, communicating with folks, um, being able to build rapport, 
um, and ultimately getting them to want to do business with me. And so that is kind of the core of it. Once, you know, I found out, you know, there's some, you know, there's some marketing behind it, being able to uh, get you to an point where you can go meet with the homeowner. But once I got there, it was just having a conversation. And I was taught to <clears throat> build rapport by speaking about everything under the sun, except for the property. And so building rapport was just kind of a natural thing because I had, you know, been a- around, uh, you know, the country, meeting different people, being able to communicate in different settings, scenarios with different types of people. It just made it very easy. Okay. Um, I got I to stop you. This is gold. And I got to tell you, Brandon, you've, you've nailed probably the most important part of real estate, real estate investing. I, I talk to people all the time and I'm like, listen, real estate investing is a people business, not an asset based business. And when we're out finding deals on commercial, when we're out doing the wholesale side, when we're doing all the stuff, investing and syndicating, it doesn't matter what it is. The first thing I tell people, if you're finding a deal, don't call somebody up and say, hey, do you want to sell me your house? Because people right. don't do business like that, right? right? People don't say, yeah, sure, I'll just sell you my storage facility. You need right. to understand those people. You need to understand the background. You need to understand the pain points and you need to solve problems. This is sales 101, right? And when I was going out in, in my sales career, just exactly what you're saying, I didn't get the deal till after I worked, right? I didn't get the deal till after everything came through and I didn't get the deal unless that person liked me and trusted me. So right. what you're saying cannot be like overstated. It, it you've you hit it on the head, and that and I think you're right. That's been the key to your success because the more you can relate to people, the more you're real. The more people look at you and trust you. Because, dude, that as you know, right? You can't fake that. That right. is not something yeah. people get it. They know you have to do it sincerely. You can't be a used car salesman, or you're just not right. going to be successful. So, 100%. how long you talk about the sale? You're building these relationships. What was the tell like? So as you're building out, let's call it your funnel, right? To get these deals and to sell. What was the tell end? Like how long did it take and how many deals did you have to talk to until you saw success? How many no's did you have to get? Yeah. um, So traditionally, right, you're going to get a bunch of no's before you get that first yes. Um, But one of the things that my mentor always likes to say is, that the anomalies happen in the outliers. So I sent that very first thousand postcards and got a deal in that very first thousand postcards, which was great for me, especially because I needed the money. I had just been fired. Um, But that also gave me that encouragement to continue forward. And then you would think like, okay, well, I'm going to send another thousand. I'm going to send another thousand. I actually didn't do any deals for the, the next few months. Um, I think yeah. maybe the second one came in May or June. Yeah. Um, but that was my initial strategy was direct mail. Um, and that that can be tough because you have to send a bunch of mail, be super consistent to start to do deals. So that very first that very first deal came so quickly, but the next ones did not. Yeah. Um, and so I changed that's kind my of strategy. A tease, isn't it, man? That. That's, that's but, like you're like, was. oh, this is gonna be great. This is gonna be easy. Then you're like, oh shoot. It was. <laughs> It was. It was definitely a tease. Um, but there was some there was a gap between that and the next uh deal with direct mail. Um, uh, but what I did was I continued to kind of learn, develop myself really through podcasts, 
I was doing a lot of driving for dollars, listening to different podcasts and audible books. Um, and I stumbled across a podcast. It was Rick Ginn, I think, being interviewed by Joe McCall and um, talked about probate leads. Uh, and that really saved my business in that first year. Now, um, what does that like, explain that to us? Yeah. So a probate lead is uh, when someone, um, you know, uh, dies or, you know, deceased, um, they will uh, petition to, uh, somebody will petition to probate their estate. So all of their belongings, you know, uh, assets, bank accounts, et cetera, go through the probate process. And so there's somebody that has to go down and file a petition to either become the executor or the administrator of that estate. And so every time those records are filed at the county, there's a record of them. You know, who um, is deceased and potentially what property they owned and then who's petitioning um, to kind of close out their estate. And so you can reach out to those folks that are doing the petition and say, hey, I understand that, you know, you just recently filed a petition to probate an estate. Uh, would you consider uh, selling the property in that estate? Um, and it's it's a small amount of leads, but they're usually super motivated because they oftentimes have to sell or don't want to go through the um, process of or inheriting a home and upkeeping it. Um, and so there's a high level of motivation. So for a very small amount of spend, now when I looked at the numbers for the year, I maybe spent like $3,500 on postage um, to a small group of leads, but I made 86 grand uh, by the end of that first year with that very small amount of spend. So that really uh, helped my business early on. Um, but back to your original question, um, there were a lot of no's there in between that first deal um, and then me finding and getting into probates around July of um, that first year, 2016. Uh, but you, you have to have tough skin. You understand it's a marketing business. And whatever you do, you can't stop that marketing train. You have to be consistent yes. if you want to expect for deals to come. Yeah. No, it, it's it's interesting working without receiving the benefit, you know, but the hope that it'll come down. Um, you know, that can be hard because um, you're, you're doing all this work. And, you know, you're going a couple months and you're going... Holy cow. Right. It's like, you know, and then too, even after you get the deal, you're like, oh yeah, maybe I'll take a few weeks off or something. You can't, you, you got to, if right. you stop that train, that future, it, it's, it's a delayed gratification to the T, right? That's, that's what sales is. And uh, when you're looking and too, that's everything. If I'm looking for a commercial deal to be in, you know, generally speaking, the commercial deals I get are coming out of left field, but mm. It's all my activity that is generating it somehow that'll come to us. And if we stop the activity, you know, the funnel, it dries up. And so it's this idea of not being, uh, not that you're not content, but you understand the action, right? Takes the action is what creates the outcome. And this is a valuable life skill. I, I, you know, I just love it. And I think everybody should do sales in one shape or form or another because it teaches you that it mm -hmm. teaches you that it's, it's not ever, it's not going to be easy as you know, it's not going right. to be simple. Right. But if you want easy and simple, you just go get a W2 and then <laughs> right. you were, you let everybody else worry about how you're going to get paid. You do your work and go home. And mm -hmm. 
I think we overestimate um, a lot of times the work and the struggle that comes through, but too, so we also underestimate the pleasure, the joy, and the freedom that it brings you. Because I don't care how hard it was for you. I bet you anything, you would never go back and change it. Oh, no. No, no. Not even for a second. Not, I mean, I mean, and, and again, that I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I always loved the idea of it, you know, candy sales and, you know, middle school and, um, you know, cutting grass and whatnot. <clears throat> even so much that, like I said, when I went to Purdue, they had an entrepreneurship certificate program, like 15 credit hours, sign me up. So I, I always wanted that uh, as a goal. I wanted to be compensated for the work that I put in. Um, but I thought that I would climb the corporate ladder, <clears throat> some startup opportunity would present itself, or I would come up with an invention or something yeah. and jump into it. And it didn't work out like that. But it was the best thing that ever could have happened that um, it happened how it did. And I was fired. So I was all in all of my time, all of my energy was focused on um, building this up. And that I think was a major key to my success that I had no backup plan, no safety net. And I was a hundred percent committed uh, to building the real estate investing business. Uh, you know, that's really key too. what you just said there, that you were a hundred percent committed. Um, if you're not, it just doesn't work out. It's like, you know, out here in the West, they're always redoing the roads every single summer. And it's because that water gets it in those cracks and that ice forms and that breaks apart entire roadways that are, you know, full cement. And that's how I view doubt. Doubt is the water in the cracks. You don't notice it while things are good, but when it gets cold and when it gets hard and when it gets unhappy, that water in that crack spreads and it breaks apart what you thought was so strong. And, you know, we can't forget that. Um, and I think that this idea that you went into it because you know, you're going to have doubts, you know, those things are going to happen, right? Like we all do, right. but you go into it saying, even with the doubts, even with this, I, I'm a hundred percent committed, right? 100%. That allows you to get through it. If you're not a hundred percent committed, those doubts fracture and break you apart. Um, that's just awesome, man. Now talk to me. I really wanted to pick your brain. You're so active in this. You have such a great reputation, by the way. Um, I wanted to ask you about your valuation base. So how do, when you're looking at a home, right? Because a lot of people, let's say, why don't you just break down simply wholesaling real quick. And then let's talk about, um, I want you to talk about how you come up with values. Yeah, no, that's great. And I, I look forward to, to getting into that because I think I do things a little differently than most. Um, but ultimately, like I said, art of finding off market properties at a discount. And so um, we reach out to uh, people that should are, are assumed to have some level of motivation to sell, um, such as they've just uh, petitioned to um, close out the estate of a loved one or a colleague. Um, so they should be wanting to sell or someone that's owned a property for years and it's not their primary residence. So their mailing address is different from the subject address if you look in the tax records or someone that's just filed an eviction. And then we'll reach out to them and you can do that you know, a few different ways. You could cold call them, you can send them a text message or send them mail. And then as they respond, um, that's a lead that you're going to, you know, ask them, hey, would you consider 
an offer to purchase your home in as-is condition. So no repairs necessary. We'll take care of all the closing costs, et cetera. Um, and uh, we'll walk them through that process. Uh, we'll uh, offer them uh, in writing uh, a written offer to purchase their home. And then we have a few options on how we can turn that into money. We can assign our rights to purchase that home or we can purchase it and immediately resell it. We could purchase it and flick, fix and flip it or, or hold it. Um, but most of the times, and, and we tell home or homeowners up front that our primary strategy is to immediately resell it for profit. And once I started being able to uh, uh, tell and, 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 and help the homeowners understand that, it actually opened up a lot of doors because early on, you know, uh, most wholesalers present themselves as the the buyer that's going to do this work and rehab it. What once we started telling folks, hey, we're going to usually immediately resell it for profit. It actually made the the process that much more seamless. So, you know, we're going out, we're having these conversations. Uh, our primary means of reaching out to homeowners is cold calling. Um, we'll you know generate that lead, um, give them an offer, go under contract, and find a buyer who wants to either rehab it or hold it. Uh, and then we'll sell it to them at a profit to us. We'll close on it, try to get everything done in 30 days. And that is a successful wholesale deal. Now, how many cold calls do you make a day? Um, our team, that's a great question. It's about 3,000 dials a week. So breaking that down, they're probably anywhere from 500 to 800 calls a day. Animal man, I love it. Love it. <laughs> yeah, I haven't done those calls yeah, in yeah, years, yeah. but yes, uh, our team is anywhere from five hundred to eight hundred. When you got started, you did. <laughs> so. Yes, I did. I did because um, I wanted to learn the process to be able to share and coach and lead the team yeah. to be able to do the same thing. Now, um, walk me. So let's get back to the valuation. A lot of people wonder. Well, how do you know? So how do you know what to offer? Like, yeah. how do you value those homes? For sure. And, and a lot of people traditionally do this uh, ARV, which is after repair value. So what something would sell for after it's fixed up, you know, times 0.7, which is the margin that that buyer is going to want minus repair costs, minus what I want to make my margin equals our maximum allowable offer, our mail, what we're going to offer a homeowner at most. Um, but what I've done differently um, by wanting to have a virtual acquisition model to where my uh, acquisition manager, he lives in Mexico and he dials into the, to the States. He's a former U.S. Marine, so he's, he's an American, but <clears throat> he's able to make offers to homeowners based off of sold comps in the area. So as he speaks to someone, he'll you know click on the Zillow link and, and pull up the map and look at everything that's sold around that subject property. Um, and he's going to look for a home that has similar square footage, similar makeup. If it's a brick ranch, he's going to also find other brick ranches that have sold. And what we do is we click into each of those sold comps and we look at the price history because that usually lets us know what a home sold for that's now fully fixed up what it sold for prior to it being renovated. And that then is the, the price that we'll, we'll likely be able to sell our subject property to at, at if it's in similar, if it's a similar you know, condition. 
And so we just base our offer price, you know, 20 K under that. So again, if I'm looking in the area of subject property and I see something that sold for 200 K most likely a year ago, it probably sold for a hundred grand. And so I assume that that's the price that I could sell mine for my property uh, that I'm working yeah. on. And so we subtract our margin, what we want to make, which is 20 K all day. Uh, and that's our maximum allowable offer. <clears throat> and that allows us to get out more offers faster than going to every property, estimating repair costs, um, and, and coming up with our number that way. We just look out yeah. around subject property, see what they sell for. We look at the, the sale before the sale. We subtract out our margin, which is 20K. And that's our maximum allowable offer. And when you're looking at that 20, uh, 20K is your spread, that's what you want? 20K is my spread. And I used to do like 10K all day. But when you're making uh, a bunch of offers, you know, sight unseen, yeah. you know, that 10K can evaporate really quickly if you're off by this or that. Yep. So when we start to build out, build in that 20K margin, two things happen. One, we started to actually do bigger deals. Uh, and then for two, uh, less deals fell apart because if there was something off, we could still turn it into a 10K deal. So we built in that 20K margin uh, and that helps us get the right number. Yeah, your margin of safety, just like Warren Buffett, right? Got to have that margin <laughs> of safety. I love it. Yeah, I, sure. it, it's um, this is an interesting world that you're in, but I think one of the things that I, I, I like about it is there's two types of activities when in, in investing, right? And there's this idea that there is simply um, creating wealth. And I, I view wealth and being rich very differently, right? Wealth means you don't have to work for your money, right? Being rich means you earn a lot of money. And these two act, these two things are not separate, but I believe they're intertwined from the standpoint is you need that capital and that capital generating activities to allocate in a wealth preservation vehicle. And for individuals that don't know how to gain massive wealth and do it quickly, right? There's a lot of things where you can do very, very slow way. This is a way, though, that you can get in, get generating, pay yourself, and start allocating capital and assets. So you don't know how, where, like, I don't have all the money to invest. And you're like, well, nobody ever does. You got to get out there and you got to earn it. You got to figure it out, right? And this way, you're like killing two birds with one stone because you're out there making the capital and you're also seeing the deals. Now, yes. you're in, like what you know about investing in single family homes, like you're talking valuations, you're talking spreads, you know what needs to be, you know what those things can rent for, right? You're primed to be allocating capital into all sorts of assets. You understand the game. So it's like you're you're just leaping forward, right? Instead of just using a W-2 where afterwards you're talking taxes, everything else you got to pay. Um, then you get whatever's left over to put in. You're out generating your own income through your business that you can expand and grow and your income grows in line with it, right? Mm -hmm. Then that opens all sorts of possibilities for you to continue your wealth growing model. It's like hyperspeed for wealth, right? Love it. Love it. Yes. I've been able to find some great deals along the way. Uh, single family uh, and uh, multifamily. We took down um, three, it was two, three duplexes on one lot. 
um, and held them um, for a bit. And um, we ended, ultimately ended up selling it. But, you know, there's going to be a phase where, you know, instead of wholesaling everything, I'm going to be looking to acquire everything. And, mm-hmm. and so that, that uh, if, if we continue this uh, marketing train, it, there's just a, a countless number of opportunities that, you know, are, are able to be presented. And, and I honestly think that this skill is transferable to yes. multifamily and commercial as well, just with a little bit uh, more knowledge and, and how to underwrite those types of deals. But the skill set is there. Yep. I, I, I agree, man. I, I totally agree. Well, okay, man. Tell us what's your next steps. What, what are your goals? You know, we're kind of talking about this transfer and everything. Where are you going with your company? What are you trying to accomplish? Yes. What I want to do is actually um, bring somebody onto the team that can focus on, um, you know, creative financing uh, type deals, um, you know, yes. note creation um, and, and, or seller uh, financing opportunities. And so that's something that I want to do so that we can start to build uh, a portfolio of single family um, assets. Um, but, you know, it's my ultimate goal to uh, become a, an apartment owner. So I, I, I do uh, want to get into the multifamily world at some point. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a stepping process, step-by-step process. Um, I actually had a business partner uh, that I worked with from 2017 to uh, the end of last year. So this year was somewhat of a reset. Crazy enough that we decided to dissolve uh, our entity beginning of this year. Um, and so that, uh, that, that coincided perfectly with, with COVID. Um, and so yeah. it really you know, uh, slowed things down. Um, and, but once I went, when I dissolved that entity, uh, we sold off some of the assets that we did have. So I'm somewhat in a rebuild right now. So it's kind of currently where I am. It's, it's getting back up, um, to, you know, where we should be, um, just in our wholesale operation. Um, and I want to bring on very shortly someone to uh, start to, uh, be able to help us help me acquire, uh, single-family assets through creative financing, and then and from there, uh, the goal would be to get into multifamily. Game never ends, does it? It, it just doesn't. Gets it doesn't. <clears throat> but I, so, in addition to that, um, and if you, you know, you see the sign Aria Live. Um, last year, I had the opportunity to uh, work with a uh, good buddy Brian Tripp, who has the Aria Live brand. There's an Aria Live Sarasota, uh, Columbia, um, yeah. Birmingham, and Atlanta. Um, and that opened the door for me. I, I took um, ownership of the REI Live Atlanta brand here last year in March. So March 2019. Uh, and that opened the door for people wanting to learn more about how to start um, their wholesale business. Um, and so uh, August of last year, I started a coaching program. Um, and I've uh, got, gotten a name um, that really fits just in the fa- in the past coming months, uh, that is send more offers um, because that's my model. It's, it's, we lead first with our offer um, using the same method that we just talked about uh, regarding valuating homes. And that's how you can send offers faster while you're on the phone with your initial upfront conversation. So now I'm, you know, that's another um, kind of, uh, a big focus of mine right now is 
you know, building out the coaching program, working with the early students up front to get them to some level of success. Uh, so I'm really excited about that as kind of my other frontier uh, into uh, being a real estate coach and mentor and helping others achieve their goals. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, where can people go to find you? So anybody yeah, so where they can go? Sendmoreoffers.com. Sendmoreoffers.com. Uh, you can learn more about uh, the program, but there's also some social links uh, at the bottom of page one if you, if you want to DM me or reach out via social. Uh, sendmoreoffers.com. Awesome. And we'll have that in our show notes as well. And hey, man, you're out there. You're killing it. I love it. I love, uh, love what you're doing. Thanks for your time. And uh, thanks for coming on here to share your knowledge. I appreciate it, Hazy. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Cashflow to Freedom. Be sure to subscribe to us for more and feel free to check us out at cashflowwiththenumber2freedom.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook. And also, if you could leave us a good review, that would really help us continue to build out our content and our community. Thank you so much.